Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show. I'm Kyle Coster. My guest today is Stephen Douglas. We are going to dive into an especially weird weekend in sports and pop culture. If you're not a fan of our site, we combine the two. We are the first that's ever done it, and we make no apologies about that. The first issue, I got to say, I wanted to start with Elon Musk hosting Saturday Night Live. But that has receded so far into the background with this Kentucky Derby fallout. Race winner Medina Spirit disqualified for failing a drug test. The trainer, Bob Baffert, the top of the sport, the Robert Kraft, if you will, of horse racing, has gone on a media blitz this morning decrying cancel culture, saying he and his beautiful animal, we love our beautiful animals, are victims of cancel culture. Now, in the interest of full fairness, I think what he's saying is that news of this failed test was leaked early and therefore put him on the defensive in the court of public opinion when it comes to the narrative. So I think if there's a kernel of sense in anything that he's saying, that's what it derives from. But we are at a place where I have been able to accurately write a headline that says, Bob Baffert, my horse is being canceled for simply eating urine-soaked hay from a different horse who has taken cough medicine. Stephen, are we looking at one of the most interesting sports stories of the last several decades? Because it's not done. There needs to be a resolution. But already we have the most famous event in a sport plagued by scandal. And it's both ridiculous in nature and we kind of have this cartoonish, carnivalistic press tour that's going to go on. And you know, and we'll speak about this a little bit further, is only going to be accelerated by cable news and sites on the right and left for whatever reason. So just how ridiculous are we looking at this story? Yeah, it's it's really ridiculous. And it's awesome because if this happened, like with just because there are horse races all over the country every day, if this happens in on some off-brand track on a Wednesday with no one you know involved, it's still it's still worth like a, a blog post. This horse tested positive. What happened was he he had too much of this drug in his system, which is legal. But this horse failed a drug test because he had eaten urine-soaked hay, is what the trainer is saying. And that alone is funny. And then you throw in the fact that it has the most recognizable name in the entire sport, Bob Baffert. So, and that's, this is his excuse. He has a little bit of a history with a uh, horses failing drug tests. So that makes it even more interesting and funny. And then on top of that, you put it with the most prestigious horse race of the year. It's one of the marquee events on the sporting calendar. Then 
you have the triple crown on the line because this horse won the first leg of the triple crown. And if the second drug, they don't even know if he's going to be allowed to race in the second leg. So it's like, we could have, we could be losing a triple crown potentially without the horse ever losing a race, which is, I mean, it's gotta be horrible for NBC. It's gotta be horrible for the people at the track. Cause like without the Kentucky Derby winner, less people are going to be interested. There's going to be less money put into it. I would think it's just a perfect combination. And then on top of that, you had Donald Trump coming in out of nowhere on Sunday and calling the horse a junkie. (laughs) Yes. And the fact that that's relegated to almost a footnote at this point is truly amazing. It's a long list of Bizarre things that Donald Trump has done in the public view of the last six plus years. But I really think I sat down and thought about it. This is definitely in the top 10. It's definitely in the top 10 to call a horse a junkie. I didn't really understand what he was driving at when the initial statement came out. Perhaps Baffert's actions lend some, you know, background to what Trump was thinking and that this horse and this extraordinarily wealthy owner were going to be used as conduits for whatever culture war uh, is being fought. I can't make heads or tails of what that's going to be or what they're trying to say. But with Baffert's tour echoing a lot of the statements you would hear like on a Fox News in primetime or honestly at this point throughout the day, it does make sense that the easiest thing to do is just decry cancel culture when it comes to anything. And we know that this has been a logical progression in recent months. It's really ramped up and it's almost cliche to say that, oh, I can't even have a yacht. That's cancel culture or whatever. Like unrelated thing is cancel culture. And we know that it was only going to increase and be used as this blanket immunity for facing any type of consequences. So in a lot of ways, I think that this is like in Jurassic Park, this is the Raptors checking the fence for weakness, right? They're always want to, they want to push the boundaries to see how far people are willing to go with this cancel culture stuff. And I think the overwhelming reaction to it right now is that this is absurd. It's funny. It's ridiculous. I'm really curious to see though, if you're going to see the people who are, have a proclivity to jump on these things, start to argue for Bafford and the horse, if they can somehow wedge and mold of an opinion that is, that is anti-doping regulation. I, I'm not really even sure what the, what the angle is here, but I've been a little bit heartened by the reaction to this and that's everybody laughing. But I think we could be looking at a situation that's a little bit concerning in a week where this still is the main story on, on those, those shows. And it's being used to show that like the actual general merits of this stuff really don't matter. It's just arguing for a full complete shield for any type of criticism or consequences for the Uber wealthy. So while we're laughing about it now, I think I will be concerned if we're still talking about this in a week. Yeah. And I, you don't know how how much Baffert even thought about the uh, cancel culture thing, because you can see when he's on Fox News uh, doing this interview, 
right before he says it, he kind of trails off and he, he sort of looks up and to the side, which is something do, people do when they're trying to grasp or grasp at something like I do all the time. And then he came back with the cancel culture thing. You don't know if he like was like, that's it, cancel culture. Or if this is something that they've been tossing around, you know, the stables. And then he went on Dan Patrick's show and he did the same thing. Said it was, it's kind of like cancel culture. And it's just weird because they're not canceling Baffert. I mean, this is his horse being canceled, but over a breaking of the rules, which is something that is new for cancel culture. And I think that they're going to keep, yeah, they are, they're testing the fences and they're going to keep pushing it as far as they can away from, you know, what, what cancel culture is. And eventually an athlete is going to test positive for something and they're going to call it cancel culture. It could be in baseball, but my money is on mixed martial arts, uh, probably a uh, high ranking uh, UFC fighter who might uh, have some Republican leanings. There are so many different excuses for what's going on. And the rationale that Bafford lays out about his horse eating hay that was soaked in another horse's urine who was taking cough medicine. Well, you want to know what? That's very realistic to me. That's something that could happen. On the other hand, did you know that horses took cough medicine? No, I, I actually did not. That didn't make, I mean, I know in Seinfeld where like Kramer and Smuckers had the same cough and they go to the vet. Uh, You know, I, I didn't, I didn't really know. I'm not much up on my uh, equine veterinary skills. Uh, It's a, it's a weakness of mine. I'd like to improve it in, in the coming year. If anybody should be able to know what's going on with his horse, which we're talking about a horse in so many ways, which makes it funny, be like, (laughs) The horse knows the horse doesn't know any of this controversy is going on. The horse is just living its best life. Like doesn't probably doesn't even remember the race. Just, just having a great time eating. hay. doesn't care if it's clean, but it's not so much a horse as a conduit to more wealth, right? Like this is a very valuable asset. Like this is not just a horse. This is a sporting team, a a, a franchise, an organization that's going to make money for everybody involved. So if anybody should know about like the duty and care required to stay out of this type of controversy, it should be the elite horse trainers, right? Yeah. That's why there's so much money. So it's such a big deal because there is so much money involved because the horse won the Kentucky Derby. So that's great. It's going to get very high stud fees. The horse wins two legs of the triple crown. That's better. If it wins the triple crown, I mean, that's, that's like winning the lottery for these ultra rich, rich people, but for cancel culture, it's like, it seems it could just turn from something that's so classic, like everyone's out to get me to that's no longer the term. They give it something that sounds less like a conspiracy. It's cancel culture. So we talked a little bit about the serious things that could come and stem out of this, but I want to get back to where we started, which was uh, in, in the British sense of the term, having a laugh. This is one of the funniest mornings I can remember online in a long time. Everything dovetailed to be this apex 
ridiculousness. The jokes have been fantastic. Where would you rate this morning? For because to me, this is like this is like the when the llamas got loose. Um, those those kind of like pivotal singular moments where everybody is kind of on the same page and all just kind of like putting our palms to the sky and be like, really, this is what we're doing? Because I think to the average person, what's great about this is the stakes do seem so low. The victim, if there is a victim, <laughs> is extraordinarily unsympathetic or is a horse. Yeah, I think that's definitely the key to it is that nobody's being hurt here. I mean, you have a horse, which is a nice animal, and that horse is going to have a very nice rest of his life. And then you have a bunch of rich people who just made a lot of money. If they take away that money from the Kentucky Derby, it's going to be okay for everybody. But yeah, the first thing that came to my mind was llamas. And I don't even really remember being online that day. Fire Festival was a big one. I mean, that was, that was a lot more, there were more real world stakes, but everybody turned out to be okay. Yeah. And like the, something like the dress. Uh, which I get, which I think was also on the same day as uh, the llamas, weird enough. Yeah, ju it's just a, a fun day on the internet, which is, it has been few and far between for the most part over the last few years. Uh, the stakes are very low for us and everybody just gets to joke about an animal. So the second thing, which is not directly related to the first thing, but kind of has similar undertones is I had Saturday night circled on my calendar as being an elite live watch. I was so excited to be on Twitter for Saturday night live during Elon Musk's hosting duties. It, it is something that when it was announced, I was initially horrified and then secondarily kind of like embarrassed for SNL, the property. And then I moved to, well, this is going to be great. This is going to be like watching a train wreck in real time. And I wanted to have fun. I so desperately thought it was going to be a good time, but I was very disappointed at how flat everything felt when they opened up with musical tribute to moms. And then they brought Musk's mom out there. That kind of told me that they realized they needed to, to brunt some of the criticism and to start it out as like a really soft thing him mentioning that he was the first host ever with Asperger's at the top two was like, all right, well, you are going to be the ultimate jerk uh, if you insult this stunt or in this commercial or whatever. But overwhelmingly, I find it found it to be quite joyless, more uncomfortable than hilarious. And, and I was just curious for you, did it come, did it meet or fall short of your expectations, either in terms of disaster or enjoyment yeah they did a great job of protecting him um definitely by starting with the moms and then bringing his mom out it's like well you can't really tee off on him because you know he's a it, it humanized him which is something that they also uh did for another very rich person over the last few years so then they just put him in little bits of sketches and he wasn't good obviously i mean he's not an actor in any way he's just a rich guy who wants to do crazy things that aren't really going to happen during his lifetime i don't know i mean what can you do? what what is the point of saturday night live it's to entertain people i would think and musk just he does not do that from an intentional perspective he is somebody who gives joy or frustration to others through his sincere reactions which are 
often a little nutty, like naming his child the letters. Like that was one of the good jokes was about the cat running across the keyboard was the name for his kid. It was boring. Uh, the best part was Weekend Update, which again, he came in and ruined. I don't know, just they should have just had Miley do the whole thing. Well, you raised the question of you asked what is the purpose of Saturday Night Live? And and you said entertain people. The purpose of Saturday Night Live on Saturday seemed to be so he could pump up Dogecoin. And, which he didn't. And that he could manipulate the cryptocurrency market, which to me seems I mean, I don't want to say it's unethical and I don't really care about it, but it seems really awkward and gross that NBC and SNL would afford him that platform and not only allow him to say it, but to write it on the cue cards several times, right? So it was going to be like, okay, he's going to be able to say this. It's a it's a plan that backfired in, in the short term. The stock was up significantly before the show started. As soon as the show started, it started to plummet. There are people who are always going to defend Musk as this visionary who has a long-term plan. He did not have a long-term plan here. Now, will Dogecoin possibly go up in the long-term and make up the loss it made for Saturday night? Almost assuredly. But how? why would the master plan be to dip it low again? That doesn't make any sense. Like it, it, Musk is someone where his fanboys will reverse engineer a situation claiming that he was always in control. And I have a feeling that's what's going to happen here. They're going to be like, oh, well, you know, since the night where he hosted, it's up 400% or whatever. They've ran into kind of like an awkward middle ground where they didn't lean in to the grossness of it all. Like they didn't really make him look bad. They didn't try to make him funny. It was kind of like everybody who shared the stage with him was making a tacit admission with their energy level that look we know you think this sucks we kind of think it sucks too and i thought it was such a bad position to put the cast in one of the only cast members who was publicly critical was ad bryant she did not appear in a sketch with musk but i don't understand snl seems to make these terrible managerial decisions i think that there's a ton of talent on the cast i think that the talent of the cast has maintained pretty good over the last 10 years it's just everybody in an executive role seems to make the wrong decision all the time. You can go back to letting Trump host, which you alluded to earlier. Even if you liked Trump, he, it wasn't a good episode. It, did, it got them attention, but Trump did not, it wasn't really entertaining. It was, it was stunt casting. And then when you look at how they covered the Trump years, it was bringing in Alec Baldwin to play the president with a terrible largely unfunny impression and then devoting like 15 minutes or so a week to the topical political humor by bringing in an endless parade of people who weren't on cast to try to be funny and it just doesn't seem to be true to what snl is supposed to be it started out as this large countercultural thing that was supposed to have no sacred cows and hold people to account and poke fun of the protected class I don't know how you do that. And I don't know how you participate in comedy when you say, and you know who we're going to be working with this week? It's going to be Elon Musk because he is the exact opposite of what I would think you would want to be as a renegade comedian. And I think it's unfair that the general management of the program keeps putting its staff 
in positions to either cause a huge stink and a huge ruckus and be caught up in all this controversy before the taping or to be a good soldier and kind of be miserable through it and, and kind of wear the shame and the attacks that, that come from having a hosting experience like this. Yeah. I, I mean, what's the point? Uh, why didn't they just have him explain cryptocurrency? Like a couple of weeks ago, they did that NFT thing. They can't try and have him explain it in a way that people understand it. The general public maybe. And make some jokes around that. They just had him come in and make him sound like a lot of people who aren't in on it think it sounds like it's just made up and dumb. And it's the cast is put in a very weird pos position here, um, having to deal with somebody that they should be making fun of. They should be making fun of the rich billionaire who wants to send people to Mars. They shouldn't be going, hey, do you know how people in Gen Z talk? I don't know what else to add. Um, he wasn't good. The ratings weren't that great. They were fine. Who, who benefited from this? Not SNL, not Musk. Oh, I disagree. I think Musk benefited greatly. I think that for as famous as he is already, I think that there's a certain status that comes with hosting SNL. And I think that there's a certain status that comes with being embroiled in these controversies or non-troversies. And we can go back to this, the first topic we, we discussed with Baffert. There's a huge benefit to being involved in a public fracas when you're already kind of like, you need to be sort of under the gun. You need to already be getting some criticism. But if you can find a way to court 47 or 48% of the population, conceivably to be on your side and to see that the critics are against you and what you stand for, no matter how absurd the implication is and whether there's any truth to it, I think that you win. I think him going on there and being able to pump his own products to be able to say that he did it to, I think that there's real power in saying, I have this power. Look, everybody thought this was a bad idea. It was a bad show, but you know what? They put me on because I'm important to humanity. This is how important that I am. And I really wonder if that's where we get tying it back to the Kentucky Derby, where it's just like, this is how essential I am to the public discourse. So I think that there's a tremendous incentive structure to being caught up in the day long or the week long war of words, because eventually people stop following what the original argument was, but your name gets a lot of play uh, until it morphs into something else. I, I just don't see what he can do today that he couldn't have done on Friday. I mean, if instead of Saturday, doing Saturday Night Live, he hadn't just tweeted, yeah, this horse is a junkie. He would have spent a lot less time. I mean, the one thing is his girlfriend wouldn't have gotten a non-speaking role in a bad sketch i i just I, I just don't get it but you know that's why i'm poor cameras just happened to be rolling at an event <laughs> hyping up the logan paul floyd mayweather boxing exhibition very serious match uh in which logan's brother jake jumped in and stole the cap off Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s head. 
And this was very unpredictable. And it was so unpredictable that the Paul brothers not only had t-shirts for sale within hours of it happening, there was a tattoo on a body less than 24 hours after it happened. And Mayweather seemed very happy uh, to discuss it and to draw interest to his fight to an even higher level than it was before. So Steven, you're the expert when it comes to fighting sports. What's the logic in having these two people who are going to be pummeling each other in a few days get nose to nose at the weigh-in? It seems like that is just a situation that's fraught for potential violence. Yeah, you would think, but then they just keep doing it. Um, it's it's meant to sell the fight, you know, make it look like these people really don't like each other. It's always been something that's kind of bugged me a little, but also amused me. It's like, because they do it even like right before the fight when they're like doing the stare down during the introductions. It's like, keep it clean and then just give a little shove or something like that. It's like 30 seconds from now, you could hit him. Just wait 30 seconds. You know, they're just trying to sell it and trying to make it seem like there's real bad blood. So I guess Floyd Mayweather will really try hard and uh, knock out Logan Paul. But really, we all know that just like with uh, McGregor, he's just going in there to do a little heavy sparring, mostly light sparring for him, uh, break a little sweat and collect a very nice paycheck for never once being in danger of anything. Okay, so if we all know this, and I know this as someone who doesn't follow the fighting game that much, why will it be a success? Why are people still tuning in? Is it just because you can't look away? Is it if something is sold as a major fight? Like, does the fight industrial structure of like everything leading up to late night Saturday when this total unpredictable thing is going to happen, is that so powerful that you can kind of plug and play anybody in regardless of skill as long as they are a commodity when it comes to entertainment? Because I don't think that Logan Paul will be the last person who comes over from a purely entertainment background into either boxing or MMA. Like if you watch MMA, the line is already so blurred. The biggest successes in the sport have huge personalities and are so good at making people angry or thrilling people in, in the crowd that it's, it's kind of like blended in a huge element of what makes professional wrestling so successful. So do you think that at, th at this point, people are more attracted to the event or the actual combat taking place? And how do you see that changing going forward? Well, I mean, I would hope it's not a real attraction to the actual sport because, you know, it's just going to be sparring for Mayweather. You definitely can't plug in any two people. You need a name like Mayweather. I don't know. Um, you've got the Paul brothers who can sell. They have this built-in audience. And so you just need somebody with kind of a name. And it's really weird how Logan Paul was able to land Floyd Mayweather, who's like, still the biggest name in boxing to like the general public. I can't imagine that people are tuning in for the boxing. You know, it's, it's spectacle, which is what celebrity boxing is. They just want to see people who they've heard of, you know, punch each other. 
and there's no real drama here from an athletic standpoint but if you've grown up watching the paul brothers you know slap each other with turkey legs or something whatever they do then you're like oh this is their latest stunt which is exactly what happened with the gotcha hat thing which is actually a nice little change of pace for the usual uh shoving and trash talking it's just adds a silly little internet thing to the usual pre-fight um going through the motions of the little shove and i'm gonna kill you that kind of stuff all right so last question do you plan on watching this and what will your excitement level be or is it just hey i need to i need to check this out because it's going on and something outrageous might happen if i am sitting around with nothing going on you know near my computer and some kind of collection of letters in a certain order crosses my uh desktop then i might click on that collection of letters but i'm not going this isn't like a real fight where i would you know maybe invite some friends over and order a pizza um this is just purely some if if there's a car accident outside my home i will take a look but i'm not going to uh get in my car and drive across town to see one all right there you go i think we hit on donald trump elon musk bob baffert the Paul brothers and Floyd Mayweather Jr. That is the podcast for today. That is also a potential dinner party in the near future at Mar-a-Lago. 